Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Right, welcome back. Episode number three of the No Quarter Given podcast. We, myself, Jason Powers, along with my co-host Peter Blake, we are two and zero, my brother. Yes, sir. Two weeks down, two W's. Got a little hairy there in the in the you know late third quarter in the Atlanta game last week, but the Buccaneers get it done. Defensive touchdowns, like I predicted on your pregame show, I said the Buccaneer defense was going to score on Sunday, and guess what they did? Mike Edwards, two touchdowns late in that game to put the game out of reach. Peter, welcome back, man. Yeah, man, absolutely, 2-0. and oh, And uh, like he said, it was uh, you know, kind of a nail-biter there, 28-25. to 25, Atlanta made it close, and then you know, the Bucs pulled away. But that third quarter, 19 yards, something of offense, that's not going to get it done. And, of course, the Rams uh, this week, uh, in L.A., that's a matchup where the Bucs definitely have to play a lot better than they have in these previous two games. But once again, Tom Brady is just a marvel, is he not? I mean, five I mean, touchdowns. Uh, this guy right now, you're looking at his statistics, he, he could be the MVP, Jason Powers. I mean, honestly, the way he's um, playing, MVP type of season right now. Through two weeks, he is the MVP. Yeah. Gronkowski, four touchdowns through two weeks. You got Mike Evans involved this week with two scores. Godwin's involved. You know, uh, again, uh, I don't think there was ever any danger of the Buccaneers losing the game Sunday. I mean, to me, they had the game. They weren't going to lose the game, but obviously you don't want the score to get to what, what it was. And then obviously they separated in the fourth quarter. So uh, I, don't, I was not ever to the point, where, oh, my God, are they going to lose the game? Right. But Matt Ryan knows the Buccaneer defense. He's been around this defense a lot of years. Give him credit. He played well. And like you said, the Bucs seem to like – go through that little lull at least once a game where they go through just a, whether it's a quarter or a couple series lull, which got the Falcons back in the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, the victim of volume and Ronald Jones, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't tout this guy anymore. He's missing too many blocks. Yeah. You know, running out of bounds when you get nine yards, instead of putting your shoulder pad down, trying to gain that extra one or two yards so you can get a first down. Yeah. He's been very disappointing. I get it. It's a long season, but I'm just not sure if this offensive coaching staff has any belief in Ronald Jones at this point. And it's disappointing because I know his potential I saw what he could do last yeah. year, but these are the type of things that have plagued Jones throughout his career. It's either pass blocking, it's either catching the ball consistently, it's or trust. dropping the it's ball trust. on the ground. Right, and if you don't have trust in a player like that, can't play. pass protection, can't get play. Brady killed. You can't yep. do it. So you saw the, like I said, you saw the the one the one time when Fournette picked up the blitz and Brady hit about a twenty yard ball to OJ Howard, I think. But the one yes. time. Jones was in the game. He was brutally bad on missing the pickup, which caused the sack on Brady. So, and Arians was pretty strong in his comments this week about how he's, he's a little disappointed in Ronald Jones. He's, I mean, you can't say that he's young. He's been here three years. 
It's not about yeah. being young anymore. It's about get it done. Yeah, get it done. If not, you're going to get you benched. Play. You're not have playing time. And, you know, my my little nickname, Victim of Volume, you know, it's funny <laughs> and everything, but he's not going to get the volume to play because he's going to be on the bench. They yeah. believe in Fournette, and they're going to have a belief in Giovanni Bernard. With that being said, I thought they did a pretty good job, a better job of running the ball yes. this week against the Falcons than they did against the Cowboys. So if they can make a commitment to that run going forward, they're going to be even more dangerous. Rams coming into this game 2-0, a hard-fought win up in Indianapolis this week. Stafford, mm. McVay, all that all that stuff going on. So 2-0, both teams coming in 2-0. We're going to preview the game at the end, but both teams coming to this showdown 2-0. I'll give a little plug. The Powers on Sports podcast, the podcast that I do, I'm having – this week, my, my guest, one of my guests this week is David Moulton, who's the statistician for Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, part of the Fox mm. team. So he's Troy Aikman's statistician in the booth with Troy and Joe. So I had him on the podcast. We talked about some college football. Obviously, we previewed the Bucks rams game. So, you know, check out the Powers on Sports podcast. Give a little plug for, for uh, NSPN for you. Yeah, absolutely. Next Gen Sports Media, where media evolves. It's the Sports Web. We'll have Dennis Phillips of ABC Action News getting you ready for Friday night fantasy football with him, talking about that Bucks win, and of course, getting you ready for Bucks versus the Rams on Friday night at nine o'clock on NSPN. And of course, I love St. Pete. Three things for me, Jason Powers: bring your passion, bring your excitement. Just don't bring any nonsense. I'm your host, Peter Blake, giving you something to think about. That's it. Peter's doing a great job. He did pregame, post, uh, halftime, postgame, the last couple home games, doing a great job. We at had, we're, we're both at Duckies, doing a good job yep. down there. That was fun. Uh, so keep up the great work, man. On the postgame, we had Chidi Ahana too, and we okay. made this announcement on NSPN. He is signed on to fight Warren Sapp. Now, oh, this God. is on – Warren Sapp to accept this and just talking to Chidi Ahana too, you know, being a former defensive end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and that whole story behind it is just amazing. But I tell you right now, Chidi Ahana too was really upset when I mentioned the 1999 NFC championship game. I know we'll get into that in a little bit, but boy, the mood change that still bothers <laughs> this day. It still bothers me. I think it bothers every Bucks fan. That NFC championship game, I don't want to spoil it. We'll get into it, but we're getting to, uh, yeah, we're gonna get to yeah. it. All right, let's start off. Just give a little summary of the Bucks Rams rivalry. They played 24 times. The Bucks are nine and 15 against the Rams all time, including mm. two losses in the postseason, one loss in the late 70s, and one loss in the late 90s, about 20 years apart. So some heartbreak for the Bucks in both games were to go to the Super Bowl. So some heartbreak for both Buccaneer losses in the playoffs to the Rams. So first game against the Rams was, was 1976 preseason game. You know, John McKay, the coach, obviously John McKay, the former USC coach, they went back to Los Angeles for that first game. The Bucks got lit up pretty good in LA. You know, John McKay was always good with a quote talking about, we didn't block, but we made up for it by not tackling. He was always very good with the, with the one-liners to the media, but uh <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, regular season-wise, the first time the Bucks beat the Rams was 1979. September, they won 21-6. You know, the Bucks mm. were featured in Sports Illustrated. That was the year the Bucks made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. And lo and behold, who do they see in the NFC Championship game that year? 
Vince Ferragamo and the Rams here in Tampa Stadium. I remember that game vaguely. I was six years old at the time. The Bucks go down 9 nothing. three mm. field goals by Frank Corral, and the Bucs get, get their dream miracle season of going to the Super Bowl thwarted by the L.A. Rams. And wouldn't it have been nice for the see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being a top defense that year versus the Pittsburgh Steelers and their top defense, of course, the still curtain and Terry Bradshaw, but it was not to be. And I remember talking to my mother about this, and this is how much my family are Bucks fans, right? They are die hard. My mama used to tell me, she said, you know what? The Bucks would have won in 1979 because at the time you don't have NFL films. You don't have NFL network. So you go to your library, you get a book, and it tells the story of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Imagine that, a book. So you go into the book and you look at it and they don't tell the whole story. My mom goes, she swears. She says, if Doug Williams and Leroy Summon don't go out with an injury in that game, then the Bucs win. And of course, Jimmy Giles, he doesn't catch that. The touchdown gets wiped off the board for a penalty. Right. Typical referees at that juncture. And I always felt like, you know what? She's not telling the truth. She's not right. And going on buckpower.com, I realized, she was absolutely telling the truth. In fact, Jason Powers, she actually says she got so emotional, she nearly had my sister at the time. That's how emotional she was about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, you know, the two straight years of losing, being 0-26, to be one game away on the doorstep for a Super Bowl versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you lose 9 to nothing, and it was just so disappointing. What could have been... And it just seems like the Rams have always been a thorn in the Bucs' side. And remember, this was 1979 when the Bucs were an expansion team in 76. Not like we had a, a pick of the litter of expansion players. John McKay did an unbelievable job building the franchise from 76 to 79 to be contenders. Ricky Bell, Doug Williams, Jimmy Giles, Leroy Selman, all mm -hmm. the pieces that he put together over those four years to put him in position in 79 – to make a, but I mean, it's a miracle run. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we were the darlings of the NFL that that postseason to get that far. And uh, you know, I would say go to for all of your Buck history. I want to mention? Go to BuckPower.com. Paul Stewart, our our colleague, awesome. We're part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. All things Buccaneer history. That's the place to go. Is BuckPower.com. Paul Stewart has video clips, audio clips, statistics from every game in Bucks history. And what do we learn from the story, kids, that your parents are usually always right, and she still swears by it to this day. And I don't understand why the Bucs, even though they lose to the Rams, why they're not talked about more in the annals of NFL history with what they accomplished. I get it. They were losing the first two years, 0-26. But nobody, again, talks about – what they did that year. And that was amazing. And didn't they start off five and zero? it was kind of crazy because they started off five and zero that year. And guess what? In 1999, they started out. Yeah. Uh, well, no, 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 not 1999. Excuse me. 1997. They started out five and zero. that the was Dungy. the second year. With Tony Dungy. Dungy, yeah. yep. So I always get those years uh, messed up, but it was just crazy how, you know, some of that stuff comes and goes and goes in cycles, but uh, man, let's I talk about it. Let's get to the mid eighties. The one player that dominated this series in the mid-80s was a guy who was an electrifying running back, one Eric Dickerson, coming right. out of SMU. You know, he was the he was the you know the tailback of the 80s in the NFL, just the, he ran like a gazelle, 
was the was was the was the workhorse for the Rams in the eighties. You know, they played the Bucks in eighty four and eighty six. Both games, he lit up the Buccaneer defense with nearly two hundred yards rushing. I remember the eighty six game where he here at Tampa Stadium, he ran all over the Buccaneers in Tampa Stadium. I, I think he had like a 75, 80 yard touchdown run. They played out in Los Angeles, one of those two meetings. He lit us up out there. And again, it was Eric Dickerson left, Eric Dickerson right, a very run-centric offense by the Rams in 1984, 1986. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, one of the, the great running backs in NFL history uh, with what he did throughout his career, and he was definitely a Bucks killer. That's for he, sure. I mean, he. I mean, I just remember he was he was electrifying running back, toss sweeps. I mean, they were a heavy run offense. Remember, John Robinson was the former USC coach who was the coach of the Rams during right. that, some of those years. Heavy run, heavy, heavy run, and just 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 ate up the Buccaneer defense in the eighties. And uh, so let's go to the night. Go ahead. Let's go. Go ahead. I was going to say the 90s. I know you're going to go to the 90s. There's one game here. Uh, Bucks lose 35 to 14. I'm listening to Gene Deckerhoff on the radio because once again, back then, Powers, there was nobody. There was it was blacked out, so you couldn't see the home game. And I just remember Gene saying it when uh, Vinny threw an interception right before the half. And of course, once again, the Bucks lose 35 to 14. You know, this was not their day. They were snake bitten that day. And it was just, it was a typical Vinny. It was a typical Bucks loss. And you didn't even have to see it. And honestly, to tell you the truth, I probably didn't want to see it because some of that football back then, especially at home when it was blacked out, was some of the worst football you've ever seen in your life or never seen in your life. I mean, 1992, the 1992 game was is, was, is, a, is a one to forget if you're a Buccaneer fan. The first year of Sam Weish, the Bucks mm. are on Sunday night football, which back then was on ESPN, not NBC. You had Joe Theismann, Mike Patrick were the announcers for ESPN. The Bucks made a rare appearance on Sunday night football. 27 to three, they're winning at the half. They lose 31-27. Are you kidding me? And what are the usual suspects? Jim Everett and, of course, Flipper Anderson. Yes. They were Bucks back in the 90s. They even killed the Eagles and Buddy Ryan, I believe, in overtime of a playoff game. I'm trying to think of the year. I think it was 90-91 at that point. So yep. they were talented players. I mean, the Rams, yeah, they always gave it to the Bucs somehow, some way. And uh, yeah, that was disappointing. 27 to three and you lose 31 to 27. The life of a Buccaneer fan. In fact, one of my co-hosts would always say this. So Buccaneer. And it was so Buccaneer uh, back then. And again, that was year one of Sam Weiss. She was trying to get that kind of run and shoot offense from Cincinnati going here in Tampa. You know, they jump out 27-3. You're thinking, okay, we got something here. No. Full meltdown. And speaking of Jim Everett, do you remember the Jim – you probably – you. I don't know if you were young. You remember Jim Everett when he got into it with Jim Rome? Of course. Jim, it's, it's ESPN2. It's Jim Rome. It's a new exciting thing. Jim <laughs> Rome calls him Chris. Chris and he Everett. Says, if you say it again, I'm going to come over the table and do something about it. <laughs> and he did something about it. And that stuff right there, that really made Jim Rome's career. It but it's stuff, it's stuff like that. that I don't know if you're ever going to see that again, Powers. I understand. I, we're so PC these days. Right. We're, we're so scared to come outside of the box, if you will. I'm not right. sure if we're ever going to see that. But that was one of the moments in history where you I sit mean. back and you just laugh about it. Because at the time, Jim Rome 
who now is basically a multi-millionaire on CBS Sports Radio with yeah. his own network and his own show. He was a nobody. Fledgling upstart <laughs> television channel named ESPN2, which went on to do great things also. So uh, it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. That was a classic moment of sports television. I mean, again, nobody knew who really Jim Rome was. And I'll give Jim Everett credit. He said, hey, brother, don't, don't say that again. And he and – he, there was a confrontation that wasn't a that wasn't a staged event that no. was legit anger and pissed off and i'm gonna whip your ass kind of kind of you know right kind of moxie because he was making fun of jim everett because everett got injured a good bit and he was he was perceived to be soft as a quarterback and i'll give jim jim everett credit he, he you know he put rome in his place but you're right that moment put jim rome on the map as well it's kind of yeah it's kind of difficult to say, you know, an athlete is soft when you never have done it before. And I right. get it. You know, we're analysts and, and we're sports broadcasters, but you know, that's kind of a line you don't necessarily want to cross because then somebody will say, well, how do you know? Have you ever strapped it up before? Right. So I think that's a little bit unfair to say somebody's soft, but what was Jim Rome thinking? I mean, <laughs> did he really think he could fight with Jim Everett at that point? I mean, no, do he was you trying really to make, think? trying to make news. I mean, but to, try- you could actually get hurt in that. Okay. Yeah. You could get body slammed. I mean, Jim Everett was a, a big guy at that he point. And, and Jim Rome is, is a little guy, you know, just, uh, it's amazing. All amazing. right. Let's get to the 1999 game, the infamous playoff game. Mm. You know, Dungy takes over in 90. When did, let's see, Dungy. 96. 96. So year four of the Dungy era as we're rising, rising. We yep. go all the way to the NFC title game. You know, we play the greatest show on turf. That was the year, remember, Trent Green was supposed to be the court. Remember, the Rams are in St. Louis now, not in Los Angeles. Correct. Trent Green is supposed to be the quarterback. He blows his knee out in the preseason, and some dude named who? Kurt Warner, who was who? a bagger. Yeah, right. And uh, part of the Iowa Barnstormers comes in and is the MVP of the league with one of the greatest offenses of all time featured Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Azira Keem. I mean, and they had a pretty good defense too, led by former Tampa Bay Buccaneer and also Florida Gator, Kevin Carter. Right. So, and then it was also the year of hurt Trent because not only Trent Green was hurt that year, uh, was not uh, Trent Dilfer hurt that year and a rookie, from uh from locally here. Tulane. Yes. Tulane. Yes. 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 So a crazy year there. He came in and and won some big games. And of course, who did they defeat on their way? Former Tampa Bay Buccaneer backup, Brad Johnson and the Washington Redskins. Yep. Very good. That's so that's crazy. great insight there. So we get to that game. We're playing in this in the old St. Louis Dome in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Again, nobody, the Buccaneers coming into this game with a vaunted defense. Nobody thought that we could slow down this Rams offense. And lo and behold, it's it's a six to five game. There's a safety involved. The Bucs kick a couple field goals. Then we have the dramatic Bird Emanuel catch that's ruled not a catch on the last mm-hmm. drive of the game. That, you know, after the Rams take the lead with Ricky Prohl, Emanuel has a, has a crossing route, about a 20 yard crossing route that's ruled incomplete at the time 
And technically, by the rules of the NFL, it was an incomplete cat pass. But, it, yeah. you know, if you're a football fan and a common sense, you know, viewer of the game, that's a catch. Do you remember that? I mean, I, I definitely remember that. And I felt like it was a catch because the NFL, the very next year, Powers changed the rule. So to me, I always remember the Bucks trying to win that game six to five. But their defense that started on the first drive when they intercepted, and I believe it was Steve White at the time, defensive end who, you know, now works for various outlets. He intercepted the ball, but the Bucs could never punch it in because, you know, give credit to where credit is due. That Rams defense was pretty good, but the Bucs offense was so anemic that day. They couldn't punch it in. They were looking to win that game six to five. I remember being there with my family. My dad wasn't there. He had to work. My mom was there, my four sisters, and they were all bucked out. They were all dressed up in buck colors, and we were all cheering, thinking that they were going to go to the Super Bowl and face the Tennessee Titans. And, and of course, Ricky Roll broke all our hearts and, there with the blitz. In some Buccaneer irony, you know who I think the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers was that day? Who? I, I, it was one of two people, and I'd have to verify who it was. It was either Mike Shula or it was Clyde Christensen, who's now back – with the Buccaneers, it's the quarterback's coach. I believe it was Mike Shula. Okay. And the reason why I believe that is because the Bucs had so many pro bowlers that there was a story that basically the Glazers went to that coaching staff and said, you need to make some, you know, offensive coaching Dungy, changes. And he wouldn't do it. Right. And he wouldn't do it. And then eventually Shula moved on and Clyde Christensen was the coach, but who Les Steckel came in the very next year right. uh, and they were somewhat successful, not as, as, as successful as they were in 99, of course. And, you know, Les Steckel was fired the very next year. I mean, they didn't like him. So it, it's crazy to think how many pro bowlers. And then of course that led to what the very next year after that, because the bucks invested in free agency with Bert Emanuel, they went out again and traded two first round picks for Keyshawn Johnson. Of course, the famous story, Keyshawn Johnson comes to Warren Sapp. Warren Sapp says, uh, you know, I can get you 17 points. You want that. And then of course, Keyshawn uh, and Warren Sapp went to Tony Dungy and Rich McKay and Rich McKay made the trade. And of course it didn't necessarily work out in those years until of course all right so here, here's what i'm going to do i'm going to play the fateful moment from pat summerall and john madden who were on the call the faint the famed ricky pro catch so here we go hold on one second mm-hmm. somewhere between now and the end of the game someone's going to make a play and put their team in the super bowl warner going deep touchdown touchdown ricky pro in the corner and if you remember, that was, you know, over Brian Kelly, who was a very quality corner for the Buccaneers in, the, in that era. You know, it was a great catch, great throw by Kurt Warner. You know, give him credit. He made the play. But you, you like you said, the Buccaneers let the Rams hang around in that game. The Buccaneers should have been up way more than 6-5. to five. It should have been a 17-5 to five kind of game. You know, at that point, the Bucs just let the Rams hang around, and you just had a bad feeling that you can't hold this Rams offense down forever. This yep. Kurt Warner led offense because I mean they were devastating that year. You know Mike March calling the plays, Dick Vermeil the head coach, and you just and you just knew a bad play was going to happen. And that was one of those games that you look back and say, you know what, if Tony Dungy wins that, and most likely with that defense and that offense to a certain degree, you think they could beat Tennessee, then maybe things are different at that point. Maybe Tony Dungy is still around. Yeah. But then of course it led to the years of getting early exited by the Philadelphia Eagles. 
And then, of course, eventually the firing of Tony Dungy because right. he was so stubborn with his offense. It was never his defense, but his defense had to carry the day and eventually it wore thin with them and, and the attitudes of it. And we saw it when the Bucks got eliminated. I remember Keyshawn Johnson. I remember Warren Sapp both being very vocal about, you know, changes being made. And, of course, there was a change made with uh, John Gruden coming in. Yeah. So the two, we get to the 2000s, the following, the, the next year after the 99 game. Mm. Oh, from, the two, from 2000 to 2010, they play four times and all four times are on Monday night football. Oh, 2000, 2001, two in all in 04 and 2000, one of the greatest buck game, regular season buck games in history. Sean King, Warwick Dunn, a tremendous, I remember the game, a tremendous finish. Sean King hits work done for a, you know, a sandlot play kind of, kind of draw it up in the dirt for, for the winning touchdown bucks win 38, 35, your memories of that game. I mean, it's, it's always goes back to the sandlot play, right? I mean, work done. It looks like he's about to lose some yards. He pirouettes back. Then he hands it. I think he throws it off to Sean King yep. and Sean King it gets hit out of bounds another 15 yards and then yep. eventually work done scores in that game but it wasn't a typical bucks defensive game you you felt like when shootout. the bucks were up right shootout. it was a shootout type of game and to me it was probably one of the greatest contests in nfl history that i've ever seen ever i mean it was just unbelievable and of course my family is there because that was the revenge game jason right. powers yeah that was from the very next year and every bucks fan was there they wanted that win so bad you could see it in Nothing was settled at that point. The Bucs had to win that game in order to get into the playoffs. And when they won it, you know, it felt like, you know, redemption, redemption. Yeah. And those early 2000 games, remember, folks, both teams were really good in that, in that five or six, seven year period. The Rams sure. were rising. The Bucs were going, you know, trying to obviously they won the Super Bowl with Gruden. But both franchises were in the mix every year with Vermeil, Mike Martz, Gruden, even Dungy in the 2000 game. The Bucks were both franchises were in the mix, so it was a great rivalry for about that eight or nine year period uh, in the in the late nineties and early two thousands um, when both teams were relevant. So that's what makes a great rivalry is when both teams are relevant and both teams are winning games. It wasn't a one sided affair during those seven or eight years. Both teams were winning games. Yep, absolutely. So all right, let's get uh, to never the, forget that game. Yeah, that was that was an all timer. That was a Monday nighter and. I think it was Al Michaels and John Madden were on the call, I believe. Yep. And well, Dennis Miller at the time, and, yeah. and he couldn't believe it. And 2002, I remember them winning 26 to 14 in the final play. And of course, at the time, the Bucs started out slow. This was John Gruden's era. They lose to the Saints on a special teams play. I believe the punter at the time uh, can't kick it out of the end zone. And, and of course, the Saints score. So everybody's like, oh, no, what's going on? They go out the next week. They beat the Ravens on the road with a Derrick Brooks touchdown. And then on this game, they went 26 to 14, capping it off with the Derrick Brooks touchdown. And you see Warren Sapp absolutely pancake Kurt Warner on the ground. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? This team is different. This defense is more vicious than it was in 99 and, and 2000. And uh, it was a special year, of course, 2002. But just remember that Monday night football and, and Anytime the Bucs can play on Monday night football or Thursday night football or Sunday night football, yep. it's an event for a Bucs fan. And if you're a Bucs fan, you got to go to BucsPower.com to relive these moments because you kind of forget them 
And, and that's the great thing about Paul's uh, Paul Stewart's site. You can relive those memories on that site with all those clips and, of course, all that great information. And this great podcast, too. You're, again, you're listening to the No Quarter Given podcast. I'm Jason Peter Blake. We're breaking down all things Bucks rams Obviously, we're playing the Rams this Sunday in Los Angeles, 425 Fox. Aikman and Buck are on the call. will be the showcase game of the of the uh, of the Sunday slate, and uh, uh, you know, so definitely uh, again, we'll be the we'll be the headliner this week for sure. Let's get to the 2010 era, 2010 to the present. Kind of the noteworthy oh, yeah. game is 2019, the shootout in LA in the in the in the Coliseum. This is not the new stadium. Remember, the Bucks are playing this week in the new LA stadium. The other, the 2019 matchup was in the LA Coliseum. You had Jameis Winston, Jared Goff, a absolute shootout. You know, it was a the Bucks. This was year one of Bruce Arians. We all thought, okay, is he going to turn Jameis around? This was the game we thought, okay, Jameis is is going to be here to stay. Puts up 55 in the Coliseum. Yeah, some great throws to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Offensively, they were sound, but. Of course, Winston has an interception that makes the game close. And once again, you're biting your nails until Sue at the end of it makes a play to basically close it down. And the reason why this was so significant at the time, Powers, was because Sue played on the Rams team, which was in the Super Bowl a year before coming over to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. A lot of fans were like, you know, he's not going to make plays. Uh, McCoy's made more plays than Sue. I'm like, there's no way Sue has made more plays than McCoy. And this was one of those plays. And exactly. Remember, that was all the thing was, who do you take? Do you take, you know, the, the dilemma was if the Bucs had an opportunity that year, it was the two big defensive tackles, Sue and McCoy. And the Lions took Sue, the one pick before McCoy. So, all right, we're going to play the Sue. Hold on, we're gonna play the Sue clip of the of the winning touchdown or the clincher in Los Angeles with the fumble recovery for a score. Blitz falls out. Buccaneers are gonna win this game. And Dominican Sue, a former Ram, is in the end zone to seal it for Tampa Bay. And Dominican Sue finishes off for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, putting up 55 in Los Angeles. So what a uh what, what again, we all thought this was going to be the, the Jameis, Jameis Winston kind of coming out party. It didn't end up working out that way. And obviously, you know, we know what happened at the end of 19 with, with Jameis not being, not being re-signed and obviously the Tom Brady era coming in. So in closing, you know, we got a huge game this Sunday. Give me a couple quick, quick tidbits and quick, uh, you know, strategical things that you're going to be looking for out of the Buccaneers Sunday. Well, you know, Cooper Cup, who's on my fantasy team, you're going to have to shut him down. You have Robert Woods. I mean, they have some weapons on this team. And the way the defense has played, look, it's nice to have Mike Edwards have two interceptions, but you would like them definitely to play a lot better. They're going to have to play one of their best games because this Rams team is very improved. They're on a mission. They have Matt Stafford. Of course, they want to beat the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, We'll see. I don't like how the Bucs have played their first two games, and I had this down as a loss against the Rams, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it's going to be very entertaining. Matt Stafford, a quarterback, Tom Brady on the other side, of course. And uh, can this defense get it done? It goes back to last year when they lost 27-24 to 24 on prime time. you got to think this team wants revenge. They have revenge on their mind. And being a Bucs fan, of course, you're thinking about revenge. So we'll see if the Bucs can do it 
uh, this Sunday at 425. I think this, I think the deciding factor in this game is which defensive line and offensive line can protect. Great. That's going to be, you got Aaron Donald, the, the, the player, you know, the, 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 the consensus best defensive player in the league, I think from top to bottom, you got the, you know, can the offensive line for the Buccaneers control him and at least keep him in line to give Brady enough time to do what he's got to do. I think both teams are going to move the ball. You know, can the Buccaneer, uh, you know, front seven get pressure on Stafford? They know Stafford a little bit, but new offense, McVay, and like you said, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, you got a good tight end in there. Higby is the tight end. Daryl Henderson probably not going to play rib injury. And, and again, which team can run the ball a little bit to me is going to be a factor because we can't throw, we can't drop back 55 times and throw the ball. We need to have the, and the Rams have been gashed a little bit with the run. The first sure. couple of opponents have run the ball on the Rams a little bit. So who will step up? Will it be Leonard Fournette? Will it be Ronald Jones? Will it be Giovanni Bernard? Uh, it ain't, it ain't going to be Bernard. It's going to be your boy, Lenny Fournette's going to get well, the Get and the probably the will. Carries. And I'll tell you right now, he will definitely be my boy if he has 100 yards rushing. Because <laughs> if he has that, you yep. open up that pass play action. But, of course, you have to definitely do what you did last year to Aaron Donald. You shut him down in last year's matchup. You actually shut him down in yep. 2019. He has not been a factor. So that offensive line can do the job on that. You still have Jalen Ramsey, who's the guy that's going to step up this week. Kind of complicates things a little bit. I don't know if you heard. I did. Around on the COVID list, of course, he's vaccinated. So you have to have two uh, negative tests in order to play. We'll keep an eye on that situation. And, of course, join us at Duckies Sports Lounge on NSPN. I love St. Pete. Yours truly along with Mr. Jason Powers, Blake Anthony, getting you ready for Bucks versus the Rams. Again, as a fan, I hope this is, I hope this is a fourth quarter game. I hope. I mean, I hope this game comes down to the late in the fourth quarter with Brady or, or Stafford having the ball. Obviously, I'll take my chances if Tom Brady has the ball, needing a score to win the game. You know, sure. to me, to me, again, like you make a great point about Antonio Brown. Ramsey's probably going to, I mean, he's probably going to take Mike Evans. That right. usually is what he'll probably, so you're going to have a God win. Is it Scotty Miller in the slot? Is it Tyler Johnson in the slot? Maybe do you play a little more two tight end with Gronk and OJ or Gronk and Cam Bray? It's going to be interesting to see what the, personnel groupings are going to be this week if Antonio Brown's not not a major is not available and of course uh, Jaden Mickens goes out he could be having an MRI so do right. we see the rookie this weekend at Jalen Darden does he right. make an impact in this game because right. we all know you know special teams guy has speed Tom Brady handpicked him it's gonna be interesting it's mm-hmm. always interesting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when you have injuries and stuff like that but when the Rams and the Bucks they hook up it's something special. It's usually a very competitive game. And one yeah. thing I'll say here, if the Bucs get through this game, then you're going to start hearing some chatter about the undefeated season because this Why is not? probably one of the two or three games that you had circled of potential losses here. If they can get through this game on the road, you got to like their chances because they got Buffalo coming to Tampa later, which is another game that's kind of a tricky game. You mm-hmm. obviously go to New England next week, but if they get through this game, you're going to hear some more chatter of perfect season out of Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the way he's playing, he's playing at an MVP type of level. It's just amazing. Jason powers, 44 years old, the way he's playing right now, just mark him down for the MVP. And if he puts up those type of <laughs> it's, numbers, it's early Pete, it's early now. Uh, look, now look, he had one of his worst games versus the Rams last year. Don't think in the back of his mind, and he doesn't, you know, want to make up for that. I mean, that's Tom Brady right there, but I get it. It's early, 
But with those weapons, if they could stay healthy, knock on wood. And here's an interesting stat. Yeah. This is Tom Brady's first ever game that he will have played in Los Angeles. The other games that New England played out there, he didn't play in the game. And remember, mm-hmm. Brady's a California kid. He's going to have lots of family there. I'm sure his parents will be there. So you don't think Tom Brady won't be motivated to play his first ever game in Los Angeles at the new $5 billion <laughs> arena, which is which which is what? The host of the Super Bowl this year. Right. And what a storyline it sets up here, Jason Powers, because this could be a preview of the NFC title game. I mean, honestly, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, it it could be. And of course, the Bucs want to get back there. They want to play in Super Bowl 56 at the side of it. So it's the NFL is just awesome. All right, Pete, great insight. Tell the audience one more time when they can find you and us coming up this weekend, NSPN and all the platforms. Yeah. I mean, the sports web on Friday night with Dennis Phillips, uh, Friday night fantasy football. Uh, we'll also take your phone calls and we will be live on NSPN next gen sports media. And I love St. Pete at duckies get out there. 1719 West Kennedy Boulevard and Tampa getting you ready for bucks versus the Rams. Yours truly Jason powers, me and him pontificating on what's going to happen. What should happen. And then, of course, taking your phone calls. And folks, remember, NSPN and I Love St. Peter, our Facebook live streaming platform. So just yep. search it on Facebook. You'll find us live streaming all this stuff, pregame, you know, halftime, postgame, postgame analysis. Again, check out my Powers on Sports podcast. Just released a new episode, David Moulton. We interviewed one of the Bucks coaches' wives, Keith Tandy's wife, Melissa Tandy. We're doing a series on life of the wife, talking about, the journey of being a wife of a football coach and a player at the professional level. So check it out. And again, buckpower.com, part of the podcast network. This, this podcast, the no quarter given episode three, we'll be here all season long previewing all the buck opponents throughout the, uh, throughout the season. Great work, Peter, keep it up. And we will see y'all everybody next week for the absolute epic showdown. Bucks go to Fox world. Return. Yes, on my birthday, no less. Even better, my brother. All right, we'll see everybody next week. Find us, No Quarter Given Podcast. Have a great weekend. Go Bucks. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag buccaneer foe when we come back with another No Quarter Given Podcast. And make sure for the best in historical buck coverage, you go to buckpower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.